You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. The Albanian government attributes a disruptive cyber attack to Iran. TikTok says it's found no evidence of a data breach. Researchers have discovered a new strain of Linux malware. U.S. agencies warn of ransomware targeting the education sector. Finland prepares to increase its cybersecurity capacity. Deepen Desai from Zscaler on the latest updates to Raccoon Stealer. Our guest is Lance Spitzner from the Sands Institute with results of their recent security awareness report. And a fond farewell to the father of Let's Encrypt. From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Wednesday, September 7th, 2022. Reuters reports that Albania has attributed the extensive disruptive cyber attack it sustained on July 15th to Iran, saying, The in-depth investigation provided us with indisputable evidence that the cyber attack against our country was orchestrated and sponsored by the Islamic Republic of Iran through the engagement of four groups that enacted the aggression. That's according to Prime Minister Idi Rama. Albania has severed diplomatic relations with Iran and ordered Iran's diplomats to leave the country. Prime Minister Rama acknowledged the stringency of the response, but said it was fully justified, stating, This extreme response is fully proportionate to the gravity and risk of the cyber attack that threatened to paralyze public services, erase digital systems and hack into state records, steal government intranet electronic communication, and stir chaos and insecurity in the country. Albania's foreign minister announced Tirana's response to Tehran in a tweet this morning. As of today, by a decision of the Albanian COM has severed all diplomatic relations with the Islamic Republic of Iran. All diplomatic and other personnel of Iran's embassy are to leave the territory of the Republic of Albania within 24 hours. It is a decision imposed on Albania by the actions of Iran— which our investigation has shown was behind the massive and unprovoked July 15 cyber attack against Albania's infrastructure and government services. We are confident that our allies and partners will stand shoulder to shoulder with us facing the present and possible future challenges. 
Albania is a NATO member, and its action received support from other members of the Atlantic Alliance. The U.S. condemned the Iranian cyber attack and expressed solidarity with Albania. The White House statement issued by the National Security Council is brief enough to be worth quoting in full. The United States strongly condemns Iran's cyber attack against our NATO ally, Albania. We join in Prime Minister Rama's call for Iran to be held accountable for this unprecedented cyber incident. The United States will take further action to hold Iran accountable for actions that threaten the security of a U.S. ally and set a troubling precedent for cyberspace. For weeks, the U.S. government has been on the ground working alongside private sector partners to support Albania's efforts to mitigate, recover from, and investigate the July 15th cyber attack that destroyed government data and disrupted government services to the public. We have concluded that the government of Iran conducted this reckless and irresponsible cyber attack and that it is responsible for subsequent hack and leak operations. Iran's conduct disregards norms of responsible peacetime state behavior in cyberspace, which includes a norm on refraining from damaging critical infrastructure that provides services to the public. Albania views impacted government networks as critical infrastructure. Malicious cyber activity by a state that intentionally damages critical infrastructure or otherwise impairs its use and operation to provide services to the public can have cascading domestic, regional, and global effects, pose an elevated risk of harm to the population, and may lead to escalation and conflict. We will continue to support Albania's remediation efforts over the longer term, and we invite partners and allies to join us in holding malicious cyber actors accountable and building a secure and resilient digital future. Social media giant TikTok says that a reported data breach on the platform may never have actually happened, Hot Hardware reports. Last week, a vulnerability in the TikTok app on Android was revealed by Microsoft that would have allowed threat actors to hijack accounts. The vulnerability was patched before its disclosure, but a breach forum's user with the name Against the West reported shortly after Microsoft's disclosure that they had access to a server containing 6.7 terabytes of stolen data from TikTok and WeChat. TikTok denies the breach, saying in a statement to Forbes that our security team has found no evidence of a security breach. We have confirmed that the data samples in question are all publicly accessible and are not due to any compromise of TikTok systems, networks, or databases. The samples also appear to contain data from one or more third-party sources not affiliated with TikTok. The Hacker News reports that Bob Dychenko, a threat intelligence researcher at Security Discovery, called the breach real, but said that it originated from Hangzhou Zhulan Network Technology rather than TikTok. Researchers at AT&T Alien Labs describe Shikitega, a stealthy strain of malware targeting endpoints and IoT devices that are running Linux operating systems. The researchers state, Shikatega is delivered in a multi-stage infection chain where each module responds to a part of the payload and downloads and executes the next one. An attacker can gain full control of the system in addition to the cryptocurrency miner that will be executed and set to persist. Yesterday, the FBI, CISA, and the MSISAC issued a joint advisory warning that the Vice Society threat actor has recently been disproportionately targeting the education sector with ransomware attacks. 
The advisory states, the FBI, CISA, and the MSISAC anticipate attacks may increase as the 2022-2023 school year begins and criminal ransomware groups perceive opportunities for successful attacks. School districts with limited cybersecurity capacities and constrained resources are often the most vulnerable. However, the opportunistic targeting often seen with cybercriminals can still put school districts with robust cybersecurity programs at risk. K-12 institutions may be seen as particularly lucrative targets due to the amount of sensitive student data accessible through school systems or their managed service providers. While the cyber phases of Russia's hybrid war have been relatively quiet as the week opened and largely eclipsed by the risk of a major nuclear accident in the opening days of Ukraine's general counteroffensive, governments geographically close to Russia have continued to take measures to improve their cybersecurity posture. Finland, in the wake of attacks aimed at disrupting its parliament, is moving to offer grants to organizations deemed capable of hardening the country's attack surface. And we close with some sad news. Cybersecurity lost an important contributor on Friday when Peter Eckersley passed away from cancer, far too young at the age of 43. He'll be remembered for his contributions to encryption as the father of Let's Encrypt, for his service at the Electronic Frontier Foundation, and for his more recent work on the ethical issues surrounding privacy and artificial intelligence. He'll be missed... And we wish his family, friends, and colleagues all comfort and consolation. Coming up after the break, Deepin Desai from Zscaler has the latest updates to Raccoon Stealer. Our guest is Lance Spitzner from the Sands Institute with results of their most recent security awareness report. Stay with us. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use. With zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications, so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. (laughs) 
The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Lance Spitzner is Director of Security Awareness at the SANS Technology Institute. I checked in with him for insights on the recently released 2022 SANS Security Awareness Report. Probably one of the first things that really stood out this year is the need to shift this concept of security awareness to managing human risk. So, for example, in the report, one of the most surprising data points is If you're dedicated full-time to security awareness, you're most likely to be paid far less than somebody dedicated part-time to security awareness. So the average pay of somebody in security awareness, the overall is about 110,000. So we're asking people, hey, what's your salary? And this is at a global scale. But what we found is if you're part-time, it's much more. And if you're full-time, it's much less. And the reasons we believe that to be the case is if you're part-time, your compensation is based on your other security roles, most likely on the technical side. If you're full-time, you're getting compensated just on your security awareness role, which leads us to believe that leaders aren't truly valuing what security awareness officers do because we in the security awareness field have actually done a really poor job at communicating what we do and why. Wow. That's really interesting. I mean, how do you suppose folks go about closing that gap? And that's probably the key takeaway of the report. Um, that's, That's a really good question. So if you look at the report, you'll notice the words managing human risk on the report. Traditionally, security awareness has been perceived as just this once-a-year training effort, mainly for compliance. But the field is really going through a fundamental shift where we're now realizing, hey, human risk is a huge part of drivers for breaches today. And once again, go back to the Verizon DBIR. For the past three years, the report has identified people are involved in over 80% of breaches. So if cyber represents one of the greatest risks to organizations today, people are one of the greatest risks in cyber when they start working with technology. We're moving this concept from security awareness, where leaders have this perception you're in the entertainment business, we're trying to migrate to actually know we're in the managing human risk business. This means we're working with the cyber threat intelligence teams. This means we're applying behavioral science. This means we're using organizational change models to really change and secure be- people's behaviors because that's where I and the report feels organizations can now in today's world have the biggest impact. So, Lance, you know, I think we're all familiar with security awareness training, and I think a lot of companies also engage with things like uh, phishing simulations, that sort of thing. I mean, based on the information you all have gathered here, what part do those sorts of things have to play in an organization's defenses these days? 
That's a great question. And it comes back to what we were talking about earlier, managing human risk. Security awareness is what we do. Managing human risk is why we do it. So five years ago, traditionally, security awareness was all about reaching out to training people, computer-based training, phishing simulations. But now we're taking it to the next level, and it's really about managing human risk. So the first step is actually security awareness teams working with their security teams, the security operations center, cyber threat intelligence, the incident response team, to really identify what their top human risks are, things like phishing and passwords. Then they roll out the training to change those behaviors. We're no longer trying to just make people aware. We want to change their behaviors so they can easily identify phishing attacks. So they start using credentials in a safe and secure manner, sharing or using data in a secure way. So the first step is identifying those top human risks. Then all that training is about changing behaviors to manage those risks. So that's why we see things like phishing simulations so popular, because that's training addressing a top human risk. That's Lance Spitzner from the SANS Technology Institute. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And joining me once again is Deepan Desai. He is the Chief Information Security Officer and VP of Security Research and Operations at Zscaler. Uh, Deepan, it's always great to have you back to the show I want to touch base today with uh, something you and your colleagues recently posted about. This is a, you're tracking an updated version of Raccoon Stealer. What's going on here? Yeah, so Raccoon Stealer, for those of you that don't know, is a malware family that has been sold as uh, malware as a service uh, model on the underground forum since uh, early 2019. And uh, as part of our tracking activity in early July, uh, the team came across a variant of this uh, malware. Uh, And uh, there were a few uh, new things that the team observed, which prompted us analyzing and posting this article. What are some of the details here, some of the the things that they updated? Yeah, so um, a few things uh, we noticed, and these are fairly tactical things, um, uh, one of the thing was how they're encrypting um, the internal string literals. They're using Base64 plus RC4 encryption. They're, they're leaverging dynamic loading of uh, Win API functions. 
Um, so th- these two things that I mentioned are more geared towards evading detection, increasing uh, the shelf life of, of the payloads that are being pushed out. And then the second uh, big change that we noticed was uh, the, the previous versions of Raccoon Stealer, they were heavily dependent on leveraging Telegram APIs uh, to fetch the list of command and control servers. So these are destinations that the malware will communicate with after they have successfully established infection on the endpoint. In this newer variant, what we saw is a list of hard-coded IP addresses, and these are mostly threat actor-controlled servers, which are then leveraged to fetch the list of command and control servers from where the next to- stage payloads will be delivered, as well as the CNC commands will be delivered. What sort of things does Raccoon malware seem to be after? What, what is it uh, out to steal? Yeah, so Rac- Raccoon Stealer will be responsible for stealing data such as passwords, cookies, uh, your autofield data from, from web browsers. Uh, we have also seen code that uh, indicates that there's support to to steal cryptocurrency wallets uh, from the endpoints that they're able to compromise. And, and so in your estimation, how sophisticated uh, a threat group are we talking about here? Um, in, in terms of sophistication, I mean, I, I would still think of this as something that is in development and in progress, um, right? Uh, as I mentioned, some of the anti-analysis, uh, anti-detection tricks uh, that we observed in this version too. I mean, there are many other families out there that, that have been using this for a long time. And what are your recommendations for folks to best protect themselves? Um, recommendation, always uh, make sure, you know, the, these stealers can arrive packaged with some of those cracked softwares, you know, um, uh, pirated stuff. Uh, so stay away from those. Uh, always rely on legitimate sources when you're downloading your softwares. And then if you notice something... Um, spiking CPU uh, activity, any 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 kind of slowness on the system, because this payload was known to, to do that when we were analyzing it, you should report it to your security team. So that's from the end user perspective. From, from, from the security admin perspective, payloads such as this, which are newly packaged, you know, there's continuously going through newer development, you need an inline sandboxing solution to honestly observe the behavior and flag it and lock it for your, for your users. All right. Well, deep into Sai, thanks for joining us. Thank you. And that's the CyberWire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. The Cyberwire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing Cyberwire team is Elliot Peltzman, Trey Hester, Brandon Karp, Eliana White, Peru Prakash, Liz Irvin, Rachel Gelfin, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow.
And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. 